Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hey everyone, this is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. And I am here today with Billy Mitchell, Editor-in-Chief of Defense Scoop and FedScoop. Um, great to have you on the podcast today, Billy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Christine. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to uh, getting the word out about Defense Scoop and having a conversation about that today. Yeah, that's so exciting. So just um, just about two weeks ago, Defense Scoop um, officially launched. So congratulations on that. I'm sure that was a huge undertaking and a big launch. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's been a long time in the making. It's something you know. My boss and CEO of Scoop News Group and I, uh, Goldie Kamali, have been talking about doing for a lot. It's something we've covered on our Fed Scoop publication, you know, ever since the beginning because it's an integral part of that federal IT community, although sort of split off in its own world a lot of times. But, um, you know, we just solved more and more of this push, especially around some of the recent national defense strategy memos and things of that that have come out in recent years. And this push to be more digitally connected and sensor driven and data driven that um, were things that, you know, were core to our community that uh, we, we felt it would be a mistake if we didn't uh, continue to push in that direction. So um, we, we uh, you know, we've been talking about this for several years, but it was really late last year um, in, in, in the late fall time frame where we kind of sat down and had the conversation and said, we need to get this done. So um, it's been about a year in, in, in the works and, um, you know, a lot of that time has spent, been spent bringing a great team on board, um, have to kind of uh, name drop to, to give them recognition. Mm -hmm. uh, John Harper uh, as my managing editor, and then a, a team of two for now, we're looking to grow that team, but a team of two reporters, Mark Pomerlo and Brandy Vincent, that uh, rec we recruited very early on. And um, although Defense Scoop didn't launch officially until you know September 12th, a couple of weeks ago, um, we've had them on board for a number of months since earlier this year, and they've been operating under our FedScoop publication and really building up our defense uh, content so that when we launched, we would have sort of the seamless transition and plenty of backlog of content and, you know, recognition that this moment was coming. And I think that was a successful strategy. We were, um, you know, I, I feel like the launch went off without a hitch and, um, you know, things are looking good so far. Wow, that's amazing. I can't, yeah, like an, a whole year of prep and work and then trying to build up that content to make a smooth transition. That's um, definitely a big undertaking. How has the reception of it been so far in the past couple of weeks? It's been good. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, but, you know, primarily from an editorial perspective, we've heard, um, you know, from people in our community that we work with that they're very excited about it and that we feel, you know, a need that's out there because I, I like to tell people, um, you know, when we were thinking about this idea, um, there's a lot of, there's no secret that there's a lot of other defense publications out there and there's a lot of great ones. And um, mm -hmm. it would be silly to try to just reinvent the wheel and do the same thing that some of those great publications do. But um, we felt that we're different because we really do focus in on that core technology and innovation and digital transformation um, that is 
attached to every piece of the defense sector anymore. So, um, you know, whereas some of those publications touch on those things from time to time, but we'll go into, you know, the really hardcore hardware and platform and in, in, in your kind of old school, um, you know, Afghanistan and Iraq style warfare, we're really thinking about what the next war is going to look like and sort of that um, JADC2 insertion into competing with uh, more advanced adversaries like China and Russia. So rather than looking into the past and sort of focusing on some of that more legacy news, we're really rooted in the future sort of information age, information age warfare that, um, you know, is really um, more and more increasingly a part of every conversation that uh, the Pentagon is having. So um, that's the space we're trying to fill and compete in. And I think, you know, people have um, responded well to that because it, it's only, you know, we, we when we started this um, or, or came up with the, you know, official idea to, to move forward with this, um, you know, it was it was something that was percolating. But in this past year, it's only increasingly um, pushed in that direction with more and more mandates from the Office of Secretary of Defense, all of the different services um, moving forward with their sort of elements of JADC2 and, and, and lots of just you, you've seen it in Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine conflict with usage mm -hmm. of drones and electronic warfare and cybersecurity and things of that nature. This is the, the way that wars of the future are going to be fought. And um, we're trying to tell that story and kind of ride that wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and definitely becoming more and more relevant over time. Um, so what, when you're you know, writing these types of stories, what resource, what types of resources are you looking for to really get through to that audience and tell that story? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think we want to spotlight the entire uh, ecosystem, if you will, or sort of the uh, hierarchy of chain of command, however you might want to mm. refer to it within in the military and show that, you know, there's this innovation that's kind of happening across the, the larger ecosystem. So um, a lot of times <laughs> the stories we're writing about are, um, you know, talking to people at the lower to mid levels who are kind of driving the innovation and this struggle to kind of um, make change with some of the senior leadership who are not um, necessarily, those things aren't necessarily resonating with them, although they know that there's this uh, need to move towards things maybe like AI or you know enhanced cybersecurity with zero trust and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. Those are all new terms to them. They're, they're generally um, you know more, uh, senior and, and tend to be older people who maybe uh, haven't grown up in, in that style of, uh, of an organization or, or really battle. So um, it's, it's really a, a lot of that, that kind of push and pull between those two sides. So what we look for um, is ways we can tell stories that are or, or rooted uh, around the people in those issues. And uh, so we, we look to talk to people of all varying um, shapes and sizes. And what I mean by that are people at all different levels of, of the military, um, both in and outside of the Department of Defense, because it's also those people on the outside that are often driving the innovation. And those also came, come in various sizes too. You have your traditional you know, uh, legacy defense contractors like a Raytheon or uh, a Northrop Grumman or, or others. And then you have these upstarts that are trying to do business with the Department of Defense and trying to um, 
you know, bring this cutting edge innovation into the, the government and the Department of Defense, but it's so difficult because, um, you know, as, as anybody who probably listens to this podcast and have heard other people on it before, the government is is slow to move and progress <laughs> on things that, like innovation, just by nature of the way that it's built, that's bureaucracy. Um, so mm-hmm. it's hard to, um, you know, match those things up. So um, there's a lot of storytelling about that. Um, there is a lot of, you know, contract in the business of, you know, defense mm-hmm. tech. Um, but also, I think at, at the end of the day, what we try to do um, is show the impact and uh, get to the people part of it. Because uh, at the end of the day, there, there's people behind all of these decisions and programs that are very important. And um, it affects the lives of everyone across our nation and the people um, who are uh, ultimately mm-hmm. uh, you know, serving and risking their lives by going into battle. So um, we, we've tried to put the people at the center of it. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's that's a really good way to describe it. And, you know, the, the Scoop News Group does such a great job with storytelling through all of the different brands. Um, I know we work with CyberScoop a lot. And, you. you know, mentioned FedScoop and, and others. How did you get, you know, your start covering this space and kind of, if you don't mind talking about, you know, yeah group as a whole a little bit sure um yeah i'll I'll, um i I guess i'll talk about Mm -hmm. scoop news group first and then kind of get into how i you know found my way into this this wonky space Um, (laughs) great so scoop news group you know like you said we're we're a company that sort of was started uh going on 14 years ago now um almost exclusively as focused on the federal it industry um as fed scoop and since then um we've kind of spread out and covered more of this public sector um, intersection with technology. Um, from FedScoop, then came StateScoop, which was sort of the state and local look at those IT issues. Um, we then launched EdScoop, which, as, as you would imagine, is higher ed in the intersection of IT. Um, and then our, probably our, our, our one of our biggest, or you know, um, our, our biggest moves um, was around 2015, 2016, when cybersecurity became mm-hmm. a really hot topic in the federal government. It was shortly after the OPM hack, and it was just the topic of the time. It was like like we're kind of experiencing with defense right now, a realization that cybersecurity um, was no longer just something that, you know, whether you're a business executive or a, a federal CIO or whoever could just put it as this you know, element of your business, set it aside and worry about it as, you know, something that was extra that you dealt with. It was now something that was um, an essential part of every conversation. So um, that's when we created CyberScoop, which has been, you know, a a smashing success um, since then. And, uh, you know, it's been a couple of years, but uh, DefenseScoop is is now our our latest one, which we're really excited about and hope that, you know, we, you know, in in the same model of CyberScoop in terms of um, broadening the aperture to a larger community um, outside of just the federal government like CyberScoop did. We, we hope to do that a little bit with uh, the defense beat and kind of its intersection with technology. Um, and I think the, the common thing among all those publications is that we really place an emphasis on, um, you know, both, obviously we're editorial publications, so we really focus on on the news and storytelling and breaking news and adding value and giving people information that, um, they otherwise can't get anywhere else. That's, you know, what we think 
um, is, is a difference maker between us and our competition. But um, we also place some emphasis on, you know, the community that's at the center of it. And again, getting back to the people and um, mm. making this community sort of thrive. So we also have a robust and quite frankly, and biasedly, it would say the best mm -hmm. event in the business. Um, and uh, that kind of goes into that same mindset of we're, we're building a community so that people um, in these critical spaces can share best practices and, you know, innovate and, and kind of come up with new ideas about how they can do these things um, and really thrive in a, in a different way and make connections and, and whatnot. So I would say that community aspect is sort of at the heart of everything we do. Um, mm -hmm. And then in terms of um, <clears throat> myself uh, joining Scoop News Group, which was before it was a Scoop News Group, it was just Fed Scoop and State Scoop at the time. Um, this was back in what, like 2013 or 2014. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been several, you know, I'm going on nine years with the company. Um, wow, and yeah, uh, yeah it, and at the time I was uh, kind of a slowly uh, tech reporter, almost like a blogger. Um, writing about uh, DC, uh, Washington DC based mm -hmm. technology startups. And, you know, I never probably imagined that I would be doing something so wonky and sort of nerdy mm -hmm. that was, you know, advanced technology, emerging technology related to the federal government. Um, but I, I was in DC. So I guess, you know, it, stranger things happen. Uh, <laughs> That's true. But um, yeah, I, I, at the time, you know, had a conversation with my CEO or would be eventually my CEO. And she said, you know, we're looking for a tech reporter. I came on at a pretty uh, junior level in terms of being like a, a joint <coughs> uh, technology reporter and sort of like a, 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 you know, assistant editor, kind of copy editor style person. And just uh, ever since then, have, it, it, it's really, um, you know, just caught my interest. And, um, you know, it's the very, uh, a very, how do I put it? Uh, just a compelling uh, subject matter that once you get to know it um, and really understand how that every decision kind of make that that is made in this space and uh, in within the news that we write about does impact so many people across the nation, whether they know it or not, um, based on benefits and you know the pri privacy of their information and things of that nature. Everybody, um, you know, whether they like it or not, is a customer of the federal government in some regards. So, um, you know, ultimately those decisions with those IT systems um, do come back to them. So they might not read Fed Scoop stories because it may, you know, make their uh, eyes glaze over or seem, you know, incredibly <laughs> dense to them, um, but they do impact them. So I, I think once I started to put two to two and two together, I really kind of, I, I caught the bug and in, in, in kind of um, really embedded myself in, um, loved the community, really spent time on the reporting side, getting to know a lot of people. And mm -hmm. um, once I sort of developed that subject matter expertise, um, you know, I, I just kind of craved more and more opportunity within the Scoop News Group organization to kind of take us to a different level and really expand what we've done. So um, Goldie, our CEO, is, is really interested in me, a lot of opportunity to kind of move things in new directions and expand. And um, I think we've been successful and it's been really exciting. I, I don't know necessarily that 
um, you know, traditional media companies give people those kinds of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm very blessed for it. And um, also, you know, that kind of thing keeps me going and keeps me mm -hmm. passionate uh, to, to keep moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, definitely it comes through your, your definitely your passion. And, you know, they're very lucky to, um, to have you and your subject matter expertise that you've built over all of these years. Um, what is, you know, one of the most memorable stories that you've written or been a part of, in, you know, in your career so far? Uh, there's, I mean, like I said, I've been here quite a while, so it's, yeah. I, 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 you know, now that I've kind of spanned two large chunks, and I mean, again, as they essentially are the federal government, you know, the civilian side and the defense side, um, there, there's a bunch of different stories that, that fall under those. Um, as of late, you know, focusing a lot on, on defense, I think um, I've really enjoyed covering sort of like the, it, it, and a lot of people find it really wonky and nerdy, but I think it's such a big deal and it really, um, it, it, it kind of drives people who do care about it insane. This uh, Department of Defense Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification, mm -hmm. uh, CMMC, which is really um, this, this new requirement that's coming next year, um, it's kind of been in the works for several years, but uh, that requires uh, DOD contractors to meet a certain level of accreditation, certification, self-attestation, depending on the sensitivity of the information that they work with of the DODs. But um, it, it, it essentially means that any contractor within the DOD space is going to have to at least show that they meet, you know, these criteria uh, for cybersecurity. So it, it affects you know, the, every one of the hundreds of thousands of uh, defense industrial based contractors. And um, it's just been fun to watch. It's, it's kind of been uh, scandalous at times. It's kind mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, it, again, it, it, it impacts people's lives because, um, you know, this is how, you know, the DOD is one of the most targeted organizations in the world in terms of cyber attacks and mm -hmm. the way that uh, nefarious people try to, uh, you know, start those attacks is is more often than not through the defense industrial base through some contractor who holds the DOD's information. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's incredibly important. It affects you know the national security, uh, our national security, um, and also uh, it, it affects those businesses that do work with the, the Pentagon because uh, they have to make changes. And a lot of the smaller ones uh, can't afford necessarily to just overnight go and. Um, change their cybersecurity policies and uh, and governance and, and whatnot to to make sure that they meet those mm -hmm. standards. And if they don't meet those standards, then um, you know I don't know necessarily that they'll be quote unquote out of luck. The DoD may try to work with them to uh, figure it out, but um, there's a good chance that some businesses that rely on the DoD uh, for business uh, may not have that pipeline anymore because they can't meet those cybersecurity standards. Um, mm -hmm. So I've found it really interesting. And then just looking back over my career with uh, in, in this space, uh, you know, I've been around for the OPM hack, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. which was crazy at the time. Um, and then, you know, the, the sort of genesis of it, it, obviously federal IT didn't start with this, but this is what I kind of refer to as the, the sort of this chapter of federal IT or the most recent chapters of federal IT all started with um, sort of the healthcare.gov uh, debacle mm -hmm. back in 2013, 2014 um, that really drove this um, understanding that government was not getting it right when it came to the way it was buying massive IT 
products and services and um, operating those programs. Um, so those are those are my go-to's whenever I tell mm-hmm. everybody. But you know, there's so many that I'm sure I I, I miss some. I, I I have to. I think everybody would love to talk about you know the DoD's Jedi Cloud. It's it's oh yeah. You know, <laughs> it, it was a wild ride, and it was definitely one of my personal favorites for a while covering. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it's fizzled out and seems to be going in the right direction. So um, yeah, that, that's definitely on the list too. Yeah, that that was definitely interesting. There was always a little bit of drama involved with that, um, <laughs> with the Jedi contract, and then with the uh, the OPM breach a while ago. I remember that was something that just really brought cybersecurity issues in the government super mainstream, and we saw a lot of coverage and a lot of noise around that event for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I would say a good. 80, 90% or more of the stories we write don't reach the mainstream at any time or mm-hmm. not really covered by, you know, a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal and maybe not even the Washington Post, uh, even though, you know, the Post does a great job focusing in mm-hmm. on like the, the federal government operations because it's based in D.C. But um, it is exciting when those stories sort of permeate into the larger ether because, um you know, you invest so much time in this space and getting to know the people and it's hard, you know, you go to a dinner party or you go home for you know, something and people ask you like, what have you been working on? And again, it's sort of like that, uh, you know, most Americans, their eyes might glaze over if they look at <laughs> one of our stories. It, it, it's hard to, you know, tell somebody about, you know, the cybersecurity of, of, you know, this small DHS component and why it's important or something like that. But, you know, when these things that uh, impact um, the lives of everyday people or, you know, there's just massive, um, you know, Pentagon contract that the president comments on it, you know, one of his uh, press briefings several years ago in the case of Jedi, um, it, it's yeah. a, it makes it even that much more exciting. Uh, it kind of is a bit of a small win. Um, and, and gives you a little bit of excitement because uh, you're not, you know, it, you get out of your your little niche for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then I know you mentioned, you know, CMMC and some things um, that are big right now. What else do you see like in the upcoming year that you're going to be focusing on that defense who's going to be focusing on in terms of, you know, narratives or storylines happening in the space? Yeah. Um, more of that, but also, you know, more emerging technologies when it comes to like the Department of Defense's use of AI, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, continued theme. Um, obviously, any of the emerging conflicts that are going on, whether, you know, Ukraine becomes a, a something that, um, you know, uh, obviously seems like it's going to continue for a while, um, but how that sort of either um relates to the Department of Defense in terms of uh, its own involvement, whether we're sending more platforms and technologies and things like that over there, and whether things in other um, areas like Taiwan or in the Pacific advance in any way. um, You know, those are always, when you're thinking about the Department of Defense, going to be topmost concerns and really just the continued competition in this gray zone with those um, those nations, those advanced adversaries, because they, it's if you talk to people about things like cybersecurity, AI, or quantum computing, or you know even some of the like next generation um, 
air dominance type platforms that the Air Force is working on or, or whatever it may be. Everybody's worried about competing and getting there first. And so I think that narrative is going to continue to drive over the, the next several years in terms of, um, you know, the horse race mentality of are we uh, lagging China? Are we ahead of China in this area? What do we need to do to make sure that we get there first or, um, you know, make sure that uh, we can, you know, uh, defend ourselves if if they get to some of these things around the same time. So I think that's going to be continue to be a critical part of the conversation. Cybersecurity um, is not going anywhere. You know, zero mm -hmm. trust is a massive uh, topic right now, and I think some of the the gains that we've seen um, in in recent months and over the past year, uh, particularly since the executive order and some of the uh, um, national security memorandums that came. Um, out of that, that affect the Department of Defense, um, sort of seeing what progress is made there. And, um, you know, inevitably, there's going to be some other major hack, whether it's in the defense space or in the pub or, you know, the federal space where it's not. Um, it ultimately, this, everything's so interconnected now that um, a lot of these vendors that get breached or affected or have some sort of vulnerability, zero day, um, you know, in, installed into their software are used by those agencies or you know military services. So there's going to be repercussions and things that happen because of that. And so um, you know not only that uh, development of new cybersecurity um, practices like zero trust, but also how we are going to respond to whatever that next big hack is because it's inevitably mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, so uh, a lot of focus on those things. And then you know the exciting thing with Defense Scoop is we we've kind of created this core idea of what we want to be but um you know i don't want to decide today what defense scoop is going to look like in two years and five years and ten years you know i want i want to you know take the feedback of the community and start to try new things so i think a lot of that is you know covering things that are maybe not in our traditional wheelhouse um so whether that's you know um you know some of the autonomous weapon systems that are kind of being developed by the different services um, or, you know, moving in the direction of, of some of those things that the space, for instance, that are, are all trending um, spaces uh, that, that we really haven't covered in the past. And I don't want to limit ourselves from doing that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start to try new things and figure out what we're going to do next in terms of expanding, um, you know, not only our content, but um, our audience and hopefully ultimately, um, you know, our business as well, because um, I think there's just so much unexplored territory for us yeah. that we do a lot of new things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, only a couple of weeks in and there's just so much, so much <laughs> potential and so much to cover in the space. It feels a lot longer than a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm, I'm, gosh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the past year has been probably a big, big focus. Um, and then just um, I'm going to jump to two listener questions before we wrap. Um, one is kind of about, you know, pitching. And I'm sure you've gotten a lot of um, people pitching you, vendors, pitching you, contractors, trying to talk about their solutions. How do you recommend um, companies set themselves apart while, um, you know, it's a crowded, noisy space? Do you have any thoughts there? Uh Tell a unique story. Um, give me a reason why uh, you know I can't say no to you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and really, just um, more than anything, um, 
separate, it's more so, you know, those things are hard to do, right? You know, there's, there's a, um, an art to a good pitch. There's an art to a good pitch and there's an art to a good story. Having both yeah. of those things, I think are winning strategies together. Um, in terms of the pitching, um, just, you know, do your homework. Don't be lazy. Um, look and see if we've covered something and, and um, make yourself of value to particularly my writers and my readers. Um, because, uh, you know, so often we get pitches from people that are, you know, hey, I'm sure you've heard that X, Y, and Z is happening. And, you know, if you need an expert, you know, we'd love to have you. And it's, you know, we get dozens of those a day, if not more. And, um, you know, I I really, my advice has always been to people, especially on the, the, you know, outside of government who are pitching us to contribute is to not think about things in a transactional sense um, to, to say, you know, if, if you don't know me and you're, you're cold emailing me something, maybe it's better to um, be a little bit more personable and um, to get to know me first before, uh, I, I know this is all difficult because <laughs> people can often be embedded with, you know, a lot of different correspondence than they they may be uh, required to do but you know don't think of things as so transactional think of building a relationship and building trust with the person you're pitching before you get to that point or along the way because um, it's those people that I know or have gotten to know or sort of you know I can put a face to their email or, mm-hmm. or something or remember them from something that I feel even though I don't feel I owe them something necessarily I'm going to think twice about you know actually responding to their email or telling them you know maybe this isn't right for us but hey keep keep you know coming at us with pitches because I'm sure there will be something down the line whereas you know uh, it's easy to just you know send an email to the trash and I mean that's frankly the nature of the business we're all very busy um, when there's not familiarity there so um i i think the same way when i i, I think of and, and i tell my reporters um about source building and you know when i'm building sources don't just you know drop in on somebody and say hey can you give me this you've got to learn to you know foster some trust and some you know a relationship and kind of um make it a two-way thing rather than just asking someone for someone something so um, that's always been my sort of advice to, to make it less transactional and make it more about a relationship and um, making it, you know, sort of beneficial to both parties. Mm, I love that. That's fantastic advice. I love that looking at it from a non-transactional point of view is really valuable perspective. Um, and, and finally, just for people to get to know you a little bit more outside of your work, what are you interested in outside of work and maybe something that our listeners wouldn't know about you? Um. This is a hard one to answer these days because I am a father of two really young boys. So uh, my my uh-huh. interests, <laughs> my interests uh, are, are mostly involved in making sure that they are healthy, safe, and sound, and you know developing. Um, but uh, you know, so my life basically outside of work revolves around uh, taking care of them. But um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, but honestly, you know, I I. I my interests are the same that they've always been outside of that. And, um, you know, I love music. I'm a big uh, football fan. I love the Green Bay Packers. Um, Mm Family's from Milwaukee. I've never, you know, lived in Milwaukee or in the state of Wisconsin, but um, definitely have some tie-ins there and have been a lifelong Packers fan. And, um, 
you know, that a, a, a bleed uh, green and yellow, if you will. Um, <laughs> same thing with the Virginia Tech Hokies, went to Virginia Tech for my undergrad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure when this will post, but uh, as of <laughs> last night, we got uh, blown out. So not, not oh, no. too big on them uh, at the moment. Maybe that'll change, but... <laughs> And, and, you know, just uh, we kind of uh, live a quieter life than we used to, but um, I'm a big craft beer guy, which is kind wow. of a nerdy thing. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where um, I can, uh, you know, once the kids are down and, um, you know, have a couple hours to myself, I can, you know, have a beer or two. And so I like to support a lot of the local craft beer breweries in, in the Northern Virginia area. That's yeah. where I live. And um, yeah, I think, you know, just between music, football, fantasy football, <laughs> beer, but really it's, you know, it's, it's my kids and my family that dominate my life outside of work, which is great. I mean, I'm yeah. incredibly blessed. They're both awesome little kids and both really healthy. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's great. No, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's been really great talking to you, Billy. Just really big congratulations on Defense Scoop. I know it was a huge undertaking and really happy to be able to share some um, of that insight and let people know what you're covering and just to get some more attention around Defense Scoop. It's really exciting. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, get the word out there and share and, you know, hopefully drive some of your listeners to uh, Defense Scoop and Fed Scoop. Um, and, and, you know, uh, hopefully they'll become uh, continued readers. But, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Christine Blake with Billy Mitchell. Um, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.